This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry-defeating, circumstance-defying happiness. Written by pastor and best-selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Welcome to Pass the Mic, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. Uh, I am your temporary co-host, stand-in co-host, Bo Ewerk, and with me as always, the president of The Witness, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, <laughs> Jamar Tisby. You got it. You, you, you must listen to the podcast. Yeah, quite a bit, actually. <laughs> Our award-winning producer. <laughs> Welcome on to... Pass the mic post the witness change. Am I allowed to be on here? I checked with uh, the administration and they said you're a green light. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. My, my card checks out. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, it is a black <laughs> Christian collective, you know. No, right, 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 right. These are jokes, folks. Bo has been with us from the beginning. He's our award-winning podcast producer. And there's no more fitting occasion, really, for you to come back on. Man, we are right here in my home city, the capital city of Mississippi, uh, Jackson, uh, where Pottery Studios is located, where... Um, when we first came back as the witness, all of those amazing, high quality, pristine podcast episodes okay. were all from right here okay. in the studio. Uh, some of the, uh, the black in the South. Oh man, that was that <laughs> this was huge. Is, this is Bo's plug to get us to to travel multiple hours from uh, Tyler's hometown and my hometown and converge on Jackson. Kill so. the culture wars. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, both of those shows, <laughs> neither of them were planned. They came out of y'all were talking. I was like, no, everybody, get on mic. This hey, is good. Man, I am totally with you. And we are <laughs> praying and counting on the Lord to pr- to provide folks who want to support us so we can all move to the same city. It needs to happen. It needs to happen. <laughs> well, this is a great city to be in, and it's a it's an interesting day to be here. Um, in many respects, it's a it's a great day to be here because we are celebrating uh, the the bicentennial of the state of Mississippi with the opening of two museums, uh, the the Mississippi Museum of History as well as the Civil Rights uh, the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum. Um, two museums they're they're interconnected. It's a very interesting kind of architecture in the way that it comes together. I think the branding is gorgeous. Uh, and two museums that the people of Mississippi have been really excited about. Yeah. So this is, as you well know, having grown up here, um, a lot of times I'll say America first, but Mississippi in particular has a hard time acknowledging the past because of racism and white supremacy in particular. And folks just, we don't like to go back to those places. Um, so these museums are significant because they are a physical embodiment uh, with a whole lot of work and money put into them to tell the real story of Mississippi's history. Mm. And so it's the entire statewide history, which would encompass Native Americans, the Choctaw and the Chickasaw. It's their land. Uh, we're just we're just hanging out. Even here, the origin of those know? two tribes, man. Like when you first go in, like when you first walk into the, the history museum, right, right. you're presented with the origin story of those two tribes. And I was like, how did I not know exactly. that? Exactly. We just... Yeah, we don't know we don't know the history, so it's about truth telling. Mm. And what we learn as Christians is that 
truth telling leads to peace, leads to harmony, leads to justice, because you can't have any of those things without a foundation in the truth. And so these are shedding, these, the museums are shedding light on that. So it's a really significant day in the history of Mississippi. It's the bicentennial, it's these two museums. And yet there was, to me, sort of a cloud over the whole event, at least coming into it. Yeah, you know, it's it's difficult to even talk about that cloud because of this day um, and because of these museums and because it is something that I think those of us who are here have been really looking forward to. It's a, it's it's an odd unifying kind of day when you embrace your history. You know, uh, Mississippi, it's it's the ground zero for the civil rights movement. Um, and, you know, if you, if you are from here, if you are especially multi-generational from Mississippi, if you walk into both museums, but especially the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum, you see yourself in that history. And there are really hard pieces of that to digest. Um, but the fact that we want to celebrate that digestive process, so to speak, there's the fact that we want to celebrate that as a state is a huge move for Mississippi. And so I think that it, it kind of shows that as the people of Mississippi are really getting behind this, our governor doesn't really get the people of Mississippi That's or the point. sense of what the day is because as you are alluding to, um, he did about, I guess a week or so ago. I mean, if even that invited, um, the current sitting president into uh, uh, to come to the event. Now, yeah, I believe I believe that invitation was extended a while ago, several months ago. But the president didn't public. confirm. Gosh. No, it wasn't public, um, and the president didn't confirm until just recently. Um, and so, yeah, that's the cloud. That's the cloud. And so, here's what happened. He he was invited. There was um, there's some righteous backlash to that. Um, I think uh, I think it was actually Talamika Bryce who said that uh, she was just in mental tailspin from just how uh, <laughs> from how wrong it is to have this president be the first speaker at a civil rights museum right, in Mississippi. Right, right, right. Like it's it's just there's so many, and then the fact that it is Governor Bryant who, among other things, is is one of the primary reasons why we haven't been able to change our Mississippi state flag. We'll talk about that a little bit yep. later. Um, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like in order to explain just how problematic this is, like to correctly explain how problematic this is, you do have to do some untangling. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, for me, I mean, I, it, it was just so deflating. Right. I mean, I'm a historian in training. I'm geeking out about all this stuff. I love it. I've been looking forward to it for at least a year. I told my wife last year, I said, honey, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to be in Jackson for the for the grand opening, God willing. And right up until Trump confirmed that he was coming, I was just nothing but excited. As soon as I heard that news, I was like, this is this is contrary to everything that these museums stand for, because as I said before, it's about truth telling. And the president is the king of fake news. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, and so it's the actual antithesis mm -hmm. of what these museums stand for. Not only his his rhetoric has been divisive, it he he he, he find, bigots find they portray him as we've got our man in the White House. They feel emboldened. And so on this occasion, right? Yes, it's two museums opening, but but the Civil Rights Museum and its significance and this president. But I'm with you. It a lot of the responsibility lies with the governor. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. Like, 
you know, I, I don't understand where our governor is coming from. I've, I've never been able to get a read on the guy. And I mean, like, you know, we're here in the capital city. I, I, I'm known. Yes, you are. You're an award-winning podcast producer. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> no. Seriously, we're walking around. Everybody's like, hey, whoa, hey, no, opening no. doors. Yeah, it's not, not quite like that. A little bit like that. But no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, you know, so we're, we're here in the capital city. I, you know, I, I've, I've got a, I've got a podcast production company in Mississippi. That's going to come up in conversation from time to time. Like now that, like, that podcasting is kind of this darling industry that everybody's paying attention to, you know, we've been here since 2013 where we started the company and everything else. And so, you know, I, I am known by people and I know people and um, I get invited to events around town. Uh, a lot of times those also are not because I'm known. It's because I uh, was born into a, a family and a community that's pretty tight knit uh, and, and is asked to go to a lot of these things. And so, you know, I've seen the governor around town. I cannot get it. I can't get a read on him. I don't know what his mindset is. Mm. Like, I don't understand how you could be so tone deaf. Right. To not realize at the very least, oh, President Trump coming to a civil rights museum opening might rub some people the wrong way. Right. At like he was surprised about that. Base minimum. <laughs> the fact, actually, the fact that even like they moved the the speaking because originally he was supposed to speak publicly. Or at um, least be on the platform. Yeah, it was supposed to be in the main presentation. And so they changed it so that it was behind closed doors. And so he comes in and do it, I guess, because Governor Bryant didn't want to snuff the president. I, I don't know what, what the deal was. Snuff the president. Yeah. So. Anyway, regardless, so the the fact that he he that happened means that somebody, at least at some point, started paying attention. But I don't know who that person was. Anyway, all that to say, you're right. the The responsibility really does fall on 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 our governor to kind of fail and that. And it's massively frustrating because as all of these speakers are are presenting on this wonderful occasion, literally in the background, if you're looking at the platform and you look to the right and behind them, the Mississippi state flag is flying with the Confederate emblem, mm -hmm. which to me made everything sound like it was coming through a, a tin can, right? <laughs> right, right, like right, right. Anything you're saying about progress and truth and everything is all under the shadow of that flag, which I know it's a symbol. I know it's quote unquote just a flag, but it's one of those things where its presence devalues and diminishes everything you're saying about harmony and justice. Yeah. And it's one of those things that until you take it down, you have no real credibility as a state uh, for, for what you're saying that you're about. And so that goes back again to the governor. Completely tone deaf. Who could make the decision, as you say, tomorrow, and that flag could be down very, very soon. No, it's it's absolutely true. So, you know, we announced um, I, a couple weeks ago, uh, I guess as this podcast goes live, that we've got a new podcast, that Pottery has been working on a podcast. This is something that um, I've been working on the, the, uh, since, actually since uh, Legacy in Chicago. Uh, it's called Red Flag, and it is a podcast about Mississippi actively working to change its state flag. Hmm. I was at Legacy. I was at Legacy in Chicago. I was in. Uh, we just like uh, uh, kind of dispersed our team and everything. It was kind of late in the evening, and I got back and I was I was thinking about two things. One is that you know I was about to have a lot of time and resources kind of open up uh, for a new project, and so I, but I want I didn't want to do something. I wanted to do something that mattered. I wanted to do something that was impactful. Uh, and on and on top of that, the other thing I was thinking of, man, 
I really hate our flight. <laughs> like, I travel a lot. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I, I go from place to place. I, I'm known. <laughs> <laughs> As you've let us know. Yes. Well, no, you know, and so when I have speaking opportunities, a lot of times out of state, um, they'll place like state flags of where people are, are speaking from. Goodness. And it's amazing. always, I mean, it's, it's like, I always tense up. Like yep. I physically tense up yep. when going to figure out what did they put next to me? Cause I don't want the flag that we've got right now next to me. Right. Um, and typically it's, it's kind of the Magnolia flag, which is a, a an older flag, which is also kind of prog- problematic in its own right. But one way or the other, I hate the flag and I've been, you know, I, I've tried to highlight over the last couple of years, uh, since actually in my earliest days of podcasting efforts to change the flag. Mm. Um, one of the first episodes we did of let's talk Jackson was with Lawrence Dennis, yeah. uh, who is a, um, uh, a local artist here who's been working. She's, she's got a new design for the state flag. Um, that a lot of people have, especially I love it. with the rise of, of white nationalists and kind of congregations of, of white supremacists utilizing not just the Confederate flag, not just the Nazi flag, but actually the flag of Mississippi. They will fly the flag of Mississippi at their rallies. There has been kind of a fire lit under Mississippians, even those that may not really have any desire to stand for taking down the the systems that that flag also continually represents. They still recognize, yeah, we, we need to get rid of this flag. Yeah. And so anyway, I think when it comes to changing, cha- changing the flag and even removing Confederate iconography from a larger scale, even outside of Mississippi, I, I think it goes beyond what you may traditionally think in terms of party lines. And I think that we're at a, a place where it goes far beyond kind of the, you know, the black and white narrative, both literally and figuratively in terms of, Oh, this is just, this is where, where this party falls and, and, and this is where this party falls. And that's not it. I think there is a movement of change that wants to embrace, at least for our state anyway, a Mississippi of the future, as opposed to a Mississippi of the past. You know, it's a, it's, it's actually, so Mississippi that that you characterize it that way. <laughs> right. In the sense of the civil rights movement in Mississippi was interesting because white supremacy was so entrenched at the very highest levels. And it's a poor rural state. You know, it doesn't have a huge um, industrial base. There's no Fortune 500 companies in the state now. And that's just indicative of sort of its history and where it's come from. In contrast to other places, even like mm-hmm. Alabama and Georgia. So the civil rights movement in those states looks slightly different. There were There were concentrations of resistance. Here, it was grassroots to a degree that even other places it it wasn't as much right so um it was very ground up very common people driven any civil rights progress and change came from the people and i see the flag is in the same way right so we have um i mean it is a solidly red state uh just gonna be that way for a while is it though yeah i mean was it like i remember during the last election thinking like oh look mississippi may go and then it didn't the governor (laughs) ran against a truck driver with no political experience on the democratic side in 2015 yeah so anyway uh my point is if there's gonna be change it's gonna be from folks like you it's gonna be from grassroots folks and that is the I'm so frustrated that we even have to have this conversation on the day where two Mississippi museums are opening. But that's the cloud that this president cast upon the event. But like I said, man, it, yeah, you're you're not wrong at all. 
You're not wrong at all. But even if he wasn't here, the reality is that there'd be a cloud. Yeah, there's that huge contradiction. Mm-hmm. There's that huge contradiction. And here's one thing I noticed. In all of, there were probably 10 or so uh, platform speakers. Not one of them said racism. Mm-hmm. Not one of them said white supremacy. Really? And an event this big, it would not be surprising if they submitted their comments you know, to a committee first so that everybody signed off on it for multiple reasons. You don't want to be redundant, blah, blah, blah. But nobody said those words. And to me, that's problematic. Why? Because if you can't name those things, mm. particularly on the grand opening of the Civil Rights Museum, then how honest are we really being? If 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 we are afraid to, quote unquote, go there. And all, all I'm saying is mention the words, right? Man, if, I, feel like, I feel like those that would be most willing to have gone there weren't there. Didn't come. Yeah. 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 So John Lewis bowed out. Uh, Mayor of Jackson, Shokwe Lumumba bowed out. Uh, um, uh, Benny Thompson bowed out, which I get. All right, so we went we went in different directions. Okay, yep. Um, you, uh, so so we we this morning we met up. We went to uh, we we got our press passes. We went and hung out in the library. They wouldn't allow coffee. It's a whole thing. <laughs> uh, then when kind of things were getting started, you stayed uh, you, and you had your whole apparatus to be able to take video. So hopefully people have been able to see that at this point. Um, I hope it turned out. And, uh, so you were actually at the, the opening event and got to see the speakers. I went to the protests. So there were actually protests that happened here in, in Jackson protesting, not the museum. And that needs to be very clearly stated. Nobody was protesting the museum. They were protesting the fact that uh, president Trump was asked to come. They were protesting the decision of our governor, uh, to, to have him come and, and open up this museum and speak at, at the museum's opening, be the first ever speaker at the, the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum. That been, mm. um, the protest was very well attended. It was a peaceful protest. Um, you know, I've I, with with the with the work with Red Flag, this podcast that we're doing about the Mississippi State flag. Um, I've been able to uh, attend and actually interview specifically a lot of people who have been uh, working towards changing the flag. And there was a lot of the same faces, a mm. lot of the same uh, people. Um, and there was a lot of actually the same momentum behind this uh, this movement to to send a message. It was, I was planned to be a very, very peaceful demonstration. The goal was that they, that they were going to turn their backs on, uh, on his car as it was arriving. Um, last minute they changed up the entry point into well, the city. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so instead it became more of a demonstration. There was a anti-protest. There was a protest to the protest. Hmm. What did um, that look like? Well, he was one guy <laughs> and he was carrying a big sign with our state flag on it. And uh, a link to a website that says basically honor the 2001 referendum, which uh, for those that don't know, officially made the state flag, our state flag for the first time in decades. And so it's it's one of these things where um, to me, like I get it, like you're right. There, there is there's a lot of Mississippi that is what people think of when they think of Mississippi. But I guess I'm here in the capital city, right? I'm in Jackson. And Jackson isn't necessarily Mississippi. Right. Austin's not Texas. Atlanta's not Georgia. Right. And Jackson's not Mississippi either. Right. But I would hope, at the very least, that the massive amounts of turnout 
and and the chants, which were not just you know not just the you know traditional since it's Trump you know impeach Trump or something of that nature. It was you know the no hate in my state. It was it was um, it was take it down, and mm. it was really you know a lot. There was a lot being communicated as mm. a lot of these rallies that ends up being the case is it kind of becomes this catch all for frustration mm. of uh, of kind of the uh, oppressive policies that we've had to live other both federally and locally. And so anyway, all that to say that at protest at the at the protest. There was words like uh, racism. There was words like white supremacy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that was very, very specifically communicated because of the opening of the Civil Rights Museum. And I think, okay, so I think the most memorable part for me actually didn't have to do with the museum explicitly. It was a press conference that we were able to attend, which... By the way, is kind of cool, right? Like we got press passes. You for got yeah. The witness. Yeah, that was that was cool. Um, that was cool. So anyway, it, it, the you most... got into the super secret room. I didn't know about the super secret room. Well, you you we split up. We had more to, ground to cover. They handed you the high profile ticket, <laughs> and then I got the two o'clock ticket. I'll tell you the backstory. It <laughs> yeah. didn't even have to do with that. Um, it was Merle Evers speaking. Mm. So there was a press conference with uh, the the. Um, head of the Mississippi Department of Archives and History, which sponsored the whole thing, and two other people. And then after that, Merle Evers came in. And what I love about it was she didn't wait for us. There were probably 20 different reporters in there. She didn't wait for us to ask questions. She just started talking or preaching is probably a better nice. way to describe it. And it was an amazing feeling because you had young people, you had older people, you had folks from national outlets there. And when she spoke, you could hear a pin drop. Mm. Everyone was so quiet and so attentive. It was as if she just brought her own center of gravity into the room. And I remember reflecting, it was just a few hours ago as we record this, but it's so impactful. I remember thinking in the moment, you got to earn that. And she has earned that. So her husband was Medgar Evers, who was assassinated in Mississippi. He was the uh, NAACP field secretary in Mississippi. He was shot in a cowardly act of uh, of of hatred in 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 front of his house. Hmm. And literally, Merle Evers Williams uh, opened up the door to find her bleeding, dying husband, hmm. children in the house, everything like that. She went on to have her own career in civil rights in her own right. Right. Not just she was the widow of, of she's the widow of Medgar Evers. She's a civil rights activist. And through half a century of activism, you earn the wisdom and the gravity that she had. Uh, and we got the video. So I hope the video turned out. I hope we got some audio, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had I had my mic up there. I was trying to be official. Um, <laughs> but, folks, this isn't long ago. It's not. No. Like it's, that's, that's what I, I think there's this disconnect, right. especially in Mississippi. Right. But I mean, well, you know what? No. Nationally. Nationally, there's this disconnect that we think that like, oh, this is all like hunky dory. This was like millions of years Ages ago. Ages ago. No, like this is, this is, I was speaking specifically to someone as she was walking out of the museum and she was so proud to share her picture, specifically a picture she took on her phone of herself because she was a teenager in one of the pictures up on the wall. Oh, wow. And I, I, I got to interview her for, for Let's Talk Jackson. And I was just asking her about some of her experiences. She started breaking down crying because of the traumatic experiences that she lived through. And she, she, she lived through it. She, she talked about specifically how it brought up a lot of good memories, but a lot of hurt. Yep. And like, even after we got done recording, she asked, she's like, you're going to have to 
edit that one. Like she's like, you caught <laughs> me off guard. It's like, too raw. I could tell like she was she was struggling to hold it together, man. Well, I mean, let me tell you about Wheeler Parker. And so one of the great things about this occasion was they invited veterans of the civil rights movement and they had these pins on them and it was mm-hmm. great. It was wonderful to see uh, these, these, these older folks who, who, were, who lived it, right? Just like the one you're talking about. So Wheeler Parker is the cousin of Emmett Till. Emmett Till, of course, was lynched in 1955, mm-hmm. 14 years old for supposedly flirting with a, a, a white a woman in a grocery store in Mississippi. And uh, it was one of the main catalysts for the civil rights movement, mid 20th century civil rights movement. So Wheeler Parker is the cousin of Emmett Till. He rode on the bus with Emmett Till from Chicago down to Mississippi. And he was in the house when Mississippi's or Emmett Till's lynchers came to get him from the house. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I have a picture of Mr. Parker. First of all, I have a picture of Mr. Parker and I, which I'm just fanboying right there. (laughs) But I also have another picture of him standing in front of an artifact the museum acquired. The artifact is the are are the front doors of the Bryant grocery store where Emmett Till walked in and supposedly flirted with. Carolyn Bryant, and that's what got him killed. And so you have Wheeler Parker, the cousin of Emmett Till, standing in front of the doors of the grocery store that got Emmett Till killed. And the immediacy of that, the significance of that, makes me feel a sense of urgency. Mm. Because number one, this man is still alive. Hmm. Number two, he's still carrying the burden of his cousin being lynched with him right there knowing you know that that when these white men took him away he might never see him again and never did um alive and we don't have the luxury in 2017 of not continuing that struggle mm-hmm. and marley ever said something that was chilling she talked about how she never thought she'd see today what she saw in the 60s and how now what she's seeing in terms of the vitriol, the rhetoric, and the division reminds her of that. And she said, I was so tired. I'm weary because she's been struggling for half a century in this. Mm. She lost her husband to this. She said, I'm weary. But when that struggle becomes present again, when it becomes more potent, because it never really went away, right? She said, you rouse yourself and you keep fighting. And I'm sitting there as a young man. I'm like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow. There's a, there's a call to action. It, yes. I was thinking about it as I was walking out. It's like there needs to be more space because the story isn't done yet. There was the, the at the very tail end. There's kind of like um like even a mirror for you. So you you literally yeah. have to look at yourself. That's good as you walk out That's the door. Right. And it was y'all's interview with Brian Stevenson. I think he he said specifically about how like there's this just kind of candy cane and unicorn. He didn't use those phraseology, but, but the, the, this mindset that like oh well the civil rights they're just it was two weeks yeah and yeah. then it was just over. It was three days right. You know Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King and, and then, then racism you know, was down, like, like, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reality is, is not not just that it was way more than two weeks. It's not over. 
Right. Like it's just, it's just not over. And so it's really, it's a museum of living history from that standpoint mm, Yeah. because, you know, and there's already a ton in there. That's the other thing. I was thinking logistics. I was like, man, you walk in here at sensory overload. You are literally hit with like history and quotes and pictures and images and artifacts like at everywhere, you, everywhere. It's, it's just crammed From into your floor vision. to ceiling. Yep. And I'm like, I don't know where they're going to move this stuff in order to make room for what's, what's happening, <laughs> what's happening today. Now. Yeah. And so anyway, all that to say, I'm, I'm very proud of my state and the people specifically that work to make this happen, yep. to be able to bring this museum here and to listen to people and say like, man, I can't wait to come back. And some of those people like you walk in, I mean, you walk in, especially the civil rights museum and you don't start at the end. You don't start, you know what I mean? You don't start when stuff gets better. Right. Like you go through and there is a, there is a lynching exhibit with a tree overhanging you throughout. Yeah. And I mean, it's heavy. It's very, and it need, it it need, there's just time that, that needs to, to be taken to be able to slowly digest every single room and every single quote, um, so that we truly know our history, which is something that Mississippians, let's start being actually an example for the country and start really embracing that. But anyway, I'll just say that as, as a Mississippian, as a Jacksonian, and of course, as the uh, producer and and co-host of this new podcast, red flag, flag. uh, check it out podcast about the Mississippi state flag. It launches, we're going to put it out all together as a mini series um, in early 2018. It's under development. Now, Uh, if you'd like to learn more, go to redflagpodcast.com. And uh, yeah, we'd, we'd love for you to check it out. The, Album art, if you've never seen the Mississippi state flag, can be pretty jarring because uh, we do have the Confederate emblem right on our state flag. Trigger warning. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's the reality. Trigger warning. Yep. Our state flag. Yeah. Oh, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I told you about that. Like, we've, we've had people come in, uh, you know, a, a great guy who was speaking. He, he was doing a TEDx talk, uh, same, same TEDx talk that I, I was doing as well. Uh, <laughs> did I, you do a TEDx I, I did, talk? I did do a TEDx oh, talk. okay, yeah. great. Um, but, uh, but he was coming in and he was saying like, when he first saw a flag, he was like, what, 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 what did I just step into? It's jarring. Cause he wasn't familiar with it. Yeah. Um, he lived yep. in Washington, lived in New York. Not in, you know, anyway, all that to say redflagpodcast.com. Be sure to check that out. You can also of course follow Mr. Blue check, blue check verified himself at Jamar Tisby, uh, on Twitter. You can follow me. I'm at the real Bo York. If you so choose to do so follow at your own risk, but you don't <laughs> risk much. I don't talk. I don't tweet about much all that much. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I try to be funny, but I'm, I'm typically not. Uh, of course you can find follow the show at underscore past the mic. Check out this and all the great content at the witness bcc.com. And of course we will see you soon on the next pass, pass the, the mic. mic. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.